welcome into the show. It is Daniel Orman coming to you live from the Dreamaginate Sports Studios, 8 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 5 a.m. super early morning wake-up call out west. Thanks for joining us on this Thursday, November the 21st. We've talked about on this show, uh, we talked about it especially during the summer, um, the growth of the women's game around the world. It is continuing to grow. It is continuing to to see investment, uh, which is... Um, you know, pushing that growth or driving that growth across the country. Um, and, uh, and, and, and we're seeing the interest level continue to rise. Um, you know, the, the, um, countries around the world, especially in Europe who are starting to prioritize the women's game are seeing their programs get exponentially better on the field uh, in very short order, um, in the in the women's World Cup, we saw this summer Spain on the ascension, on the rise. I I believe that they are a program to watch out for over the next five to ten years. Um, I think France continues to build. Italy, Netherlands, um, England are all on the rise, and I think that uh, that's great. Number one. It's great that we're seeing this interest. It's great that it is growing, um, but it's 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 also uh, something that we need to watch out for uh, here in the U.S. We cannot sit on our perch and believe that we're always going to be the best because we've been better than everyone else so far, um, and and so in that. Um, in that conversation, in that discussion, kind of looking at, um, you know, where things are since 2012 through 2018, these are numbers for Europe. There were 1.16 million registered female players across Europe. This is in 2012, a good number, but nowhere near their potential. Since 2018, they are now over 1.62 million registered female players across Europe. The number of female youth leagues across Europe gone from 164 in 2012 to 309 in 2018. Clubs with women's teams across Europe. In 2014, there were 17,577 clubs with women's teams across Europe. In 2018, that number has skyrocketed to 60,505 clubs. The budget for women's football in 2012 was around 50 million euros. 2018, 123 
million euros. Hard data, facts, statistics that are showing that the game is growing rapidly. Investment is following and the growth is continuing to increase. The number of women working in national associations in 2012 was 1,310. 2018, that number has grown to 2,437. And at the managerial level, in 2012, that number was 121. 2018, it is now risen to 837. The women's game is growing around the world. It is still growing here in America, but it is not growing at the pace that it is growing around the world. Now, we have a head start. We have a pedigree and a track record. But at some point, the world will catch up if they continue at this pace of growth and we don't increase our investment in the women's game. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a fan of disorder and chaos. So the, the recent news about the USL launching a first division women's league to compete with the NWSL I'm not necessarily a big fan of that. What I am a fan of is let's create a, a women's pyramid in this country. Let's allow clubs and organizations around this country to invest in the women's game and grow based on sporting merit. There are only nine NWSL teams operating today. We can't sit here and act like there is some massive infrastructure that's got to be overcome. There are plenty who argue that on the men's side. They're, in my view, completely off basis. But regardless, the women's game is nowhere near that entrenched. Multiple levels, etc. There, If you want to play professional soccer, your only primary option here in America is the NWSL. There's only nine teams. They're not paying their players very well. Teams have to travel a lot in order to play matches. I'm not a fan of the chaos and disorder. I am a fan of creating organization, creating environments for clubs and organizations to grow. The NWSL is MLS 1.0 circa vis-a-vis the 90s, early 2000s. It's not, it's not able to meet the demands of the market. The growth of the game 
in this country is actually being held back by the NWSL. So I'm not a fan of chaos and disorder, but what I do think we need is healthy competition. And what I hope to see is the USL and the NWSL and other interested parties come together and figure out a way to create an environment for more women's soccer, not less. We don't need gatekeepers. We need access and opportunity. Let the clubs figure out how to be the best versions of themselves. Let the clubs figure out great ways, unique ways to treat their players well, to pay their players properly. Who's to say that a great club couldn't operate out of a Jackson, Mississippi or a San Antonio, Texas or an Albuquerque, New Mexico. In the world of American soccer, in the world of U.S. soccer, in status quo, those markets are second and third rate. But they may be exactly what's needed for this moment. And until they are allowed to to operate in a space without gatekeepers, We'll never know. So, um, really interesting numbers, really interesting insight into the growth of the game. Um, really, really, really interested to follow that as it continues over the next few years. I think you're going. We're going to see all of those numbers continue to rise. Our sponsor this half hour is Ductic Brand D U K T I G Brand dot com, and you go there, place an order. Get your winter gear, get your notebooks. It's it's almost Black Friday, Cyber Monday. It's time to go do some shopping, especially if you are uh, a serious soccer player, coach, parent of a, of a serious player or coach. Do yourself a favor. Go to ductickbrand.com. Use promo code DWSHOW to get 10% off of your next order. And uh, you will be glad that you did. Thanks for watching. We'll be right back after this.
Welcome back to the show. Thanks for tuning in on this Thursday, November the 21st. Can't believe in a week, uh, everyone will be sitting around a table somewhere and um, eating turkey and dressing. Um, or at least some of us will. I'm not a big fan of, uh, of turkey and dressing. But uh, I can't believe how fast this year is going by. Um, our guest today is James Brown. He's an active Twitter user and passionate about having a kickwall be a part of every player's soccer experience. James, welcome into the show. How are you this morning? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Thanks for coming on. Um, quick story for the audience uh, before we we jump into uh, talking about this kickwall and and the project and kind of a I guess informal campaign uh, around these kickwalls. Uh, my first ever uh, podcast interview. Uh, I was not the host. I was uh, a guest and you were also a guest on the same show. And um, it's uh, it's a, a pleasure of mine to have you on this show. Um, it's a small world and, uh, and, and I see constantly all of these different connections and and uh it's it's really cool to see how they they play out and they work out so thanks for for being a guest on this show uh these years later uh, to talk about uh, the kickwall project yeah soccer <clears throat> youth soccer really is a, a small small world i see many many people uh that i met on twitter uh even i think two weeks ago i was maybe 120 miles away from my house and some guy came up to me and he said, are, are you James? I said, yeah, why? And he said, like, I follow you on Twitter. Like, you're pretty famous. And he was like 80 miles away. So just kind of walking into a, a store, we saw each other. That's awesome. I love yeah. stories like that. And, um, you know, social media does connect us in, in really amazing ways that, you know, 20 years ago just wouldn't have seemed possible. And, um it's really cool to see how how these things play out. Um, as as I mentioned, coming on, uh, introducing you to bring you on the show, um, you are passionate about these kick walls. Um, before um, we get into kind of the campaign side of it and, and the response uh, to the campaign, um, where did this idea come from? What what was the idea, the impetus of the idea to to even build a a kick wall in the first place? for personal use? Yeah, so it's a good question. So really to, to start, so growing up, um, there was a coach and a friend of my cousin, so not my coach, but just uh, someone that my cousin knew, and he had a kick wall. Um, so it was more like a four by eight piece of plywood that he painted like a soccer field and it was just chained to his fence. And I would spend lots of time in his yard playing with him and his son. Um, and by no surprise, his son was just far better than everyone else. And I mean, even 30 something years ago, I could see like the benefits of a kick wall. Um, and so it kind of always just stuck with me, just kind of the memories of a kid playing in the yard using one. Um, so then I guess kind of like fast forward, you know, my oldest son, who's the one that's using the kick wall the most is, is 13. Um, and he's always just had a ball at his feet. And so like probably starting at age four or five, I started introducing to different versions of kick walls. So, you know, not anything in particular, but it was the bottom of our couch. Um, it was the side of his school. We would go to the the YWCA and he would use the racquetball court. And like for those various walls, you know, he was always using both feet and I could just see the benefit right away. Just like the quality touches and the feedback that the walls gave. Um, 
And so it was fun for him, but I could also, again, just see benefits. Um, and to me, <clears throat> the walls were just a game changer in the sense that, you know, anything can become a wall. Um, and again, the feedback's just, just amazing to, to see, you know, if, if it's played too soft, the ball's not coming back. If it's played too hard, someone's chasing a ball. And so kind of just always stuck with me. Um, so then I would say maybe like four and a half years ago, I was actually at an indoor soccer place and I saw these small um, kick walls and they were using kind of throughout the facility and they, you know, they were probably four feet by two and a half feet and they would just drag them around and, um, but they were sturdy. And so to like, for me, that, that was the idea. That was the impetus. Like, you know, instead of just kind of taking my son to a racquetball court or to the side of a building or having him use our couch, I wanted something that was just permanent and like always, always available for him, you know, 24 seven. And that wall um, that I saw at the, the indoor soccer place is kind of the impetus for what I've done. So your, your wife uh, was happy about the transition from the couch to the, uh, the kick wall outside. I'm sure. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. So she's been a trooper. So uh, our, our living room is, it's still, it's still as bare as bare can get. There's basically a couch and a, you know, there's a light. Um, so she recognizes that our kids still play in the house, but yeah, I mean, getting him outside was, was big for her for sure. So, uh, your kids are, are a lot like mine. Um, <clears throat> right now, um, my, my youngest son is, is kind of living the only, only child life. My older son's in, in Amsterdam for six weeks. So, um, he's been, he's been wanting some new size for soccer balls. And so I'm always kind of you know, on the hunt to find a good deal for a ball around and happened to find a couple yesterday. And, um, and so I, I told him I had left something in the back of my car. He went and got him and immediately took him to one of the rooms in our house that we have kind of set up as a, uh, uh, play area. And, uh, on one of the walls, we actually have like an old mattress and they'll just you know, beat it into the, into the mattress. They'll kick the wall, kick the ball right. into the wall, into the yeah. mattress. And so we don't have to, uh, constantly replace sheetrock. And, uh, that's our kind of indoor option. And then we have kick wall, an actual kick wall outside, um, which is a four by eight that I, that I fashioned, uh, up against a fence. But, uh, it, it, it is definitely a part of my kid's life. And I see that the benefits of it as well. Uh, can you speak a little bit more to the, the benefits of, cause I think this is something that, you know, Tom Beyer talks about ball control in the ages of two to six and ball manipulation and et cetera. And I, and I, I really think our, our clubs in this country, um, should really, you know, would be would be a really good gesture um an act of goodwill and, and quite frankly probably the best parent education they could give to their communities to give every young family with young kids a copy of his book um but uh your idea of the kick walk really kind of plays into the same um mentality and philosophy that tom has about you know players and ball control and um you know, basically kind of this unstructured environment where you're constantly, you know, in, in touch with and connecting with a ball. Um, what are the benefits you see specifically in terms of touch and control and, um, you know, timing, et cetera, whatever angles, uh, what have you seen with, with, with your kids and, and with others in terms of those who are consistent in, uh, in, in the ball and the wall? Yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, 
as I said before, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a game changer in the sense that the feedback you're getting from a kick wall is, is better feedback than you're ever going to get from a, another person. Right. So, um, if you're, if you're passing the ball into the wall too softly, it's not coming back. If you're passing it too hard, you're chasing it. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a pure, you know, mechanism to get feedback. And also, I mean, it'll just allows you to get lots and lots of touches consistently. Um, I think for, for my son specifically, my oldest, um, I mean, he's, you know, he's used it for the last four and a half years, like almost daily. And I mean, the, you know, the progress that he's made is, is incredible. So when you're watching him play in a game, his, his touch is quite good. Um, and I, I would relate it back to, to the kick wall and just all the hours that he's used, um, doing it and also say, you know, I I'll play with him. I think, you know, once I posted a video of basically him and me, and I you know talked about being an old guy losing, you know, where we would basically play a game, you know, one touch back and forth. Um, and yeah, so you can do fun things as well. Um, with it but i mean at the end of the day i just i don't think there's a there's a better a better way to get feedback if you're just working on individual touch so you posted pictures on you you know your twitter account and and kind of shared the idea and um i I know i've sent you uh sarcastic responses uh to some of your posts uh making fun of the fact that we always try to monetize everything in uh in youth sports and so i was i was asking you if it was a you know if the the plans to build the wall cost you know six easy payments of 99.99 or some other uh, uh, payment option, right? Uh, you know, joking around uh, about uh, about that. But when when you've posted this, you've shared the idea, you've made it free. Anybody can 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 get the plans and and build a version for themselves. Uh, what has the response been for that in this kind of organic campaign to to spread the idea of the kick wall? Yeah. So I mean, as you know, I'm I'm heavy user of Twitter. Um, and so I actually see the benefits of the platform uh, beyond people screaming at each other, you know, or just wanting to argue for the sake of arguing. Um, so I think I've learned a lot in the last, you know, seven or eight years on Twitter. Um, some of those things I've been able to apply to soccer. Some I've been able to apply to life and just in general. Um, so I thought with a kick wall, um, you know, I started just posting a couple of quick videos and the reception was, you know, really positive overall. Um, I think it's one of those things where it's kind of like, you know, like, puppies and unicorns and rainbows like no one's really going to complain about it you know so i think probably 99 percent of the feedback's been great um and so it was really just to say hey look here's here's another idea for a kick wall um but i think since then i think i've received about a thousand direct messages for the plans themselves um and some of those videos that i posted have you know a hundred thousand or more views um so the the reception's been much more positive than i ever thought and then as you said, I mean, I'm not, I'm not looking to monetize this at all. I mean, you know, it's, it's wood. It's, it's, there's no patent behind it. Anyone can build it. Um, in fact, some people have tweaked it and that's, that's great. Some people have built the wall exactly to specs and that's great. And some people have said, you know, this is a great idea, but I already have my own wall. So as you said, you know, you, you know, you have a four by eight sheet of plywood. That's great. Some people have a side of a building and that's great. Basically, I'm just trying to promote the idea that people should have a kick wall in their soccer, you know, toolbox that it should be something they use and they can either use the version that I built or any other version. So, uh, 
throwing up here on the screen for anybody that's watching uh, a few pictures of the wall when it was uh, first built versus uh, the wear and tear. You can see that it's been used in and out in the weather, still holding up. Um, you know, for for the audience listening, watching, what's a kind of a brief description of, of how you you build the wall in terms of what what's kind of the size and you know what kind of lumber are you using? Is it kind of a two by eight uh, yeah, you know, support so, um, frames? How, how did you come come to the idea of using this setup? So the, the front of it's just a piece of plywood, and so really. Um, at the end of the day, you could make three of those kick walls with one sheet of four by eight plywood. Um, and so any, any lumber yard, you know, Home Depot, Lowe's or some other local lumber yard will cut the plywood down to size. And so I think that's, that's one, uh, hurdle that people need to overcome, which is just have the local lumber yard cut the, the plywood. And then everything else is either two by fours or two by sixes, and they're all just straight cuts um, with the exception of two angled cuts. Um, but what I found is most people that are fairly handy can build it. Um, if not, you know, someone has a neighbor or friend that could do it. Um, but it's not, it's not overly complicated. So and you can either use, you know, nails or screws. But I mean, I have it down at this point where, I mean, I'm probably quicker than most, but I can build a wall in, in 45 minutes. That's awesome. I I am one of those who can draw all day, build not at all. So, yeah, uh, <laughs> but I'm sure you know someone, Daniel, right? That you yes. Say, hey, here's here's some plans. Would you like you know for a couple beers? Could you help me build this? Yeah, uh, I would. Whatever. I would definitely have my brother come over with uh with with our our tools for our company and and just go to town uh, for sure, and they'd whip it out pretty quick. But uh, so you know, seeing the pictures on the screen, it is a it's a very um, you know no frills, simple, um, setup. Um, and the, the whole point is to create a surface to be able to interact, um, you know, ball and a wall. Um, how is it in terms of holding up to, you know, the kick, is it weighted enough in the way that you've got your design so that it's not kind of moving all over the place? Um, yeah. So it does, the wall itself doesn't move. Um, but I, I will say I put a, like a 40 pound, uh, sandbag on the back of it just for extra weight. Um, but you know, at this point there's a 13 year old kid, you know, passing balls pretty hard into the wall and it doesn't move at all. So when you, um, set out to share this idea and, you know, put it out there into the Twitter, Twitter sphere. Um, what, what was, you know, your thought process? Did you think that you were going to get, um, a lot of, you know, feedback and interaction? Did you think that you were going to get, you know, a lot of interest or was it going to kind of be one of those like, Oh, that's cool. You know, maybe a few people say, Hey, I'd like to build one of those. Yeah. Um, so I didn't think initially it was probably the, the latter, you know, Hey, this is cool. A few people will build it. Um, you know, by no means do I have that many Twitter followers, but I think I probably have, you know, 27 or 2,800. I think a lot of those came from, from the kick wall. So it just kind of organically grew. And like I said, I mean, there's probably been a thousand or more people that have actually direct messaged me for the plans themselves. Um, and then obviously many more, um, you know, have, have just seen plans from other people sharing. Um, I would say, you know, still, Every every week, I'm getting uh, pictures or videos of people that have built walls and are you know willing to share them. Um, so it's it's been much more positive. I didn't really have a 
a specific outcome, except more is just, you know, sharing is caring. And again, I just really wanted to promote the use of kick walls. I saw the benefit. Um, I will also say just from a, a price point, the kick wall that, that I'm sharing is, is about 30 to $35 in materials um, to build. And so it's not, you know, it's not too expensive. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's cheaper than, than, than most soccer related things that I've come across for sure. And at this point, as you said, it's, it's been outside. Um, it's not pressure treated lumber. So it's, you know, there's, I didn't stain it. It's just the, the lumber is the lumber. It's been outside and snow, rain, you know, cold heat. It's been used regularly for four and a half years and it's still going. So, you know, four and a half years over 35 bucks is a, is a pretty inexpensive, uh, you know, soccer you know thing to have definitely um a, a great investment and um you know it if you uh if you're out there and you're trying to figure out how to do this um again uh my sarcastic pitch is you can pay james you know four easy payments of 99.99 and he'll share his 36 dollars or 35 dollars worth of material idea uh for, for four easy payments of 99.99 i'm kidding for anyone out there trying to send uh, some hate mail it's uh it's 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 something that uh i know y- y- you rail against i rail against uh, some of this pettiness in terms of the things we do in american youth soccer when it comes to pay to play and 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 being you know a little excessive uh with with some of the fees and things that we try to charge for uh and ideas that we try to market as as uh you know uh, amazing concepts that you need to buy um when you when you look at um the the type of player um that is going to get out and and play with a kick wall um it's to me it's it's a player that is either fully in a love affair with a ball or or they are in the process of developing a love affair with a ball um somewhere on that spectrum and um you know it's it's an unstructured free play uh, you know, scenario. It's it's not necessarily something where where you even need a parent or a coach or anyone around. It's just you, a ball, and a wall, and you can interact. You can you know learn how to use all parts of your body, uh, inside, outside, bottom of your feet, etc. I- anything uh, in, included in this, and uh, and and I think it's it's a scenario to me where um, players can really start to learn about their own bodies and, and positioning and play and, and, and touch, et cetera, to make the game easier on themselves. I can't tell you the number of, of times uh, in a game, in a, an American youth soccer game, and I know, James, you probably see this as well, um, where kids make the game harder on themselves by not being able to control the ball. Um, and they're having to to put out so much more physical effort because they didn't take the time, you know, to find a wall and spend some time with a ball on a wall. Um, how have you seen this translate with your son in terms of um, those moments in matches where, you know, a ball is played to him and he's able to settle it or he's able to turn and make a pass either foot or whatever and get himself out of trouble where you see these other players who maybe haven't spent some some time with a ball on a wall and, and they're having to really expend a lot of energy. How have you seen that play out with your kids uh, on the field translating from the driveway uh, to the soccer pitch? 
Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. So, I mean, I always kind of say, you know, if, if your first touch is bad, then, you know, what makes you think your second or third touch is going to be good, right? And then if, if, if your first touch is bad, you're probably not going to get a chance even for the second or third touch because, you know, someone's going to get the ball off of you. So, I mean, I would say, obviously, I have, I have three kids, just full disclosure, three kids, but my oldest is the one that, that plays all the time. The other two kind of just, you know, play around and that's cool. But so from a from a kickball perspective, it's really my oldest that's using it um, more than the others. And so, I mean, you could just you could see the benefits on the field, obviously. So, I mean, he's not having to, to think very much when the ball's coming in, in the sense that, like, you know, he's already prepared for the ball. He's, you know, his body shape's good. He can receive left or right. Um, so, again, I think, I think the kickball is the game changer for him and for probably, you know, many others when it comes to individual technical ability, right? So the ability to pass the ball, receive a ball with both feet, as you said, use all the, sur- you know, all the surfaces of both feet. Um, for me personally, I I've seen that come out of using the kick wall and then it just translates into games because he's not having to, to think about that part of his game anymore. Right. He's using, he's using his soccer brain to, to figure out how to get into proper space. Right. Or, 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 you know, his head's up and he's looking around. He's not having to think about the technical part. It's, it's not a laborious issue for him. So, uh, what is it going to take for us to get um, a kick wall donated for each member of the U.S. men's national team so we can improve um, our first touch at the senior yeah. level? Yeah, <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an expert in that. I would say, you know, if it's if you're 25 or 30, it's probably too late. So, I, as you know, as you said, Tom Byer focuses on two to six year olds. Uh, I'd like to f- focus on the the younger kids as well because I, I think there's a, a huge opportunity there. Um, so ho- hopefully, hopefully up and coming uh, national day players wouldn't, wouldn't need a, a kick wall as they, you know, as they're 25 and 30. Oh yeah, totally. Um, we, we long and hope and pray for the day that uh, we don't need a kick wall at the U S men's national team level. Um, yeah. But, un- but I will say, Daniel, I've seen, I, so I've seen some of the youth national team players, you know, posting things on Instagram or other social media posts of using kick walls. And I'm not saying that the older guys didn't, I mean, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's definitely, you know, people recognize the benefit of it. Um, and then, as you said, it's, it's the ones that are motivated enough to go, to go use it on their own, um, and, and have to, you know, be out there quite a bit using it. Um, when, when I look at this campaign and I look at this project, um, and, uh, and the simplicity of, you know, the wall that you designed and, uh, and, and have in your own driveway and, and it's inspired so many others to, to build a version of the kick wall for themselves. Um, it, it just reminds me of the, the fact that in American soccer too often, I think we make simple things complicated and, uh, and, and we really should just take a step back and, you know, look at how can we, get better what are solutions that we can do and and what are some simple solutions that we can do and to me looking at this um the idea that uh you know you you're an aspiring soccer player um maybe you you know you're in love with the game and, and you're having a good time and you're playing what have you the idea of adding a kick wall to a resource for you this is not costing you you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars to, to take uh, an expensive trip to Europe or South America or some other part of America. You're not having to pay for some, you know, 
extensive camp or ongoing, you know, training fee um, or, or monthly membership. It, it's, as you mentioned, it's, it's less than $50 investment. It's lasted for you for, for four years. And, and it gives you so much opportunity to improve as a player. And it's ideas like this to me that we need to be championing across the country. We have enough issues when it comes to access and opportunity um, and, and, and how the pay-to-play system uh, will often uh, keep some on the outside looking in. This is an opportunity regardless of where you play uh, in terms of you know official registration and league play or what have you. Regardless of where you live in this country and how many you know good or bad soccer players you have around you, you can have a wall in your driveway. You could have a wall around the corner from you at a local school or what have you. And in the idea that you just fall in love with the ball and use the wall to help develop your game and just spend that time really working and honing on your abilities. I mean, when we look back to some of the greats in the game, um, you know, Bergkamp, Cruyff, Gerrard, all of these different players have mentioned on occasions how they would go and spend hours upon hours just kicking a ball against the wall and figuring out how to control and manipulate a ball. If it worked for them, and they didn't pay, you know, all of these, you know, thousands or hundreds of dollars in expensive fees to be able to have access to this. It was it was either free or, or cost them very little. Um, you know, to me, this is an idea and a campaign that we should be championing around uh, American soccer. So uh, kudos to you to to uh, to putting that out there and putting a plan out there that's easy to follow, uh, and for people uh, like me, especially who. Um, you know, are, are, um, limited in our construction skills, let us, let me say, um, that, that we could even, uh, could, could build something like this, uh, for ourselves. How could people get a hold of the plans? Uh, is it, is it the easiest way is to get with you on Twitter? And if so, what, what is that Twitter handle for them to be able to follow and see more pictures and in, in video? Yes, I mean, I think the easiest is just to, my, so my direct messages are open on Twitter. So it's just, it's uh, soccer uh, 24 by 7 US. That's the Twitter handle. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty responsive. And that way, I think, you know, if people reach out, then I can answer questions if they have them. Um, I'd also say just a, a, a couple ideas that I've had is um, something, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, market this as something like Habitat for Humanity, but but in that concept, I'm, I'm thinking about kind of piloting programs in other communities where where people would come together and, and build a series of kickwalls for the day, right? So, you know, it might be 40 or 50 kickwalls that are built and distributed in a community where, you know, maybe we could get donations from, a, you know, lo- local businesses for the for the materials. Um, so, you know, for a thousand bucks, you could probably build 50 walls, um, you know, over a weekend, um, for example. Um, so, so that's one idea. And then Another is just on a on a larger size scale. So you know, we talk about individual kids having these kick walls throughout. Um, what I've seen is some soccer clubs have you know much bigger versions of kick walls at their complexes, and I think that's great. Um, I think more and more soccer clubs should be promoting this as well. So you know, building a you know, like if you go to tennis courts, you have that that back wall that people kind of bang tennis balls off of something like that at soccer complexes. So bigger versions of kick walls. Um, so I think soccer clubs can do their part as well in promoting this. 
I think that th- those are both great ideas and great points, and I, I would hope that uh, soccer clubs around the country would uh, would embrace this. Uh, you know, there, there's always moments before, after practice, or maybe on uh, on an off night or a weekend uh, where a wall like that could be used. Uh, you know, by players and um, and in players maybe waiting to start practice or whatever. So, um, I think it's I think it's a great great idea idea and uh, I hope some clubs around the country embrace it and do it for themselves uh, because I do think it makes a major impact on on a player's ability to control the ball which is for me you know that's that's phase one entry level to, to being a, a good player so um, I you know I think it's it's important it's uh, it's critically important and uh, would definitely go a long way I think even for these soccer clubs to develop better players to provide that this is a training sort resource um, would be helpful as well. So, well, look, James, thanks for, for joining us on the show, sharing your ideas, sharing the com- campaign and uh, your, your thoughts behind the idea. And uh, look, if you uh, get to a place where you are, you know, wanting to launch an official, you know, Habitat for Humanity style of campaign, uh, l- let us know and we will definitely promote it on the show as well um, because I do, I agree with you it's it's a it would be a really good thing to see this go up um around the country um to provide these uh these walls to different people and and uh, and places across the country so uh, thanks for joining us and uh and and spending some time with us talking about uh the kick wall great i appreciate it thank you have a good day you too that is james brown and um he and I connected years ago on Twitter, and uh, and as he mentioned, and I, I even talked about uh, on the show yesterday, the impact of Twitter uh, and social media and connecting people. And um, if you haven't connected with James, you should connect with him at soccer 24 x 7 us 24 by 7 us um and uh you know connect with him follow him on twitter he's got great content great ideas and also dm about the plans uh for the kick wall if you don't have one in your own driveway it it will be worth it i promise you so uh just like uh, supporting charity water will be worth it it's a campaign worth following at charitywater.org to provide clean drinking water to people all over the world you can be a part of that story make it part of your story by going to charitywater.org we'll be right back after this no one no man no woman no child should ever have to drink green water with bugs with algae with disease in it bad water and a lack of toilets kills more people than all the wars in the world. We know how to bring clean drinking water right now to every single person on earth. When you can bring water into communities, it truly transforms them. It changes everything. You could know that you'd made a difference. You could know that you had truly impacted the life of a family, of a community, of a region. There was either clean water or there wasn't. We believe in a world where every single person has clean and safe water to drink, and we will continue fighting until that happens.
Welcome back into the show. Thanks for tuning in on this Thursday, November the 21st. Time is flying by this year, and uh, we are in the thick of the holiday season. Next uh, Thursday is uh, Thanksgiving, and um, just uh, give everyone a heads up. Next week, we will uh, be taking the week off for the show, a little uh, downtime, and uh, give everybody uh, on the show a a break, but uh, we will be back uh, on December the 2nd. And uh, look forward to getting back into it as we close out the year, um, you know, in in good holiday fashion and um, hopefully be able to start announcing some uh, some plans we've been working on for quite a while since before we ever even launched the show. So uh, we hope to have some news that we can share here in the next few weeks. Some uh, some things we have been been working on behind the scenes for months and months and months and months and months. So, um, but uh, hopefully next week uh, you'll enjoy your 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 downtime off and uh, spend some time with uh, your family and uh, and friends and uh, enjoy uh, Thanksgiving. Um, I'm sure. Uh, most of you will enjoy your turkey and dressing uh, for those of us like me that is in the minority that is not a fan of turkey and dressing. Um, you know, we'll find something to eat and survive. We'll be okay. Um, when I, whenever I um, was growing up, I, I was an, a very picky eater. I've gotten a lot better over the years. My wife uh, has, has helped in that regard. My youngest son takes after me uh, in terms of being a picky eater. Uh, but whenever I was growing up, I, I basically um, ate pizza anytime I could. And so I would go to my favorite pizza place um, later when, you know, when, when I was in college and then, you know, got married, adult, etc. cetera. Uh, and I would have them make me this, this, pepperoni roll it's like a kind of like a pepperoni pizza calzone basically and uh i'd throw it on the throw it in the oven uh for uh for thanksgiving and and the rest of the family was chowing down on turkey and uh and i was over there eating my uh, my pea roll and it was it was it was amazing so uh, you know look you don't have to eat turkey and dressing to get through thanksgiving you can find something else and uh, i gener- generally try to uh work my way through without uh getting caught up in too much of that uh, turkey and dressing stuff and uh, and we'll get through it um but uh fortunately over the years i've uh i've gotten my in-laws away from always having to do turkey and dressing for everything so now we'll do steaks from time to time and that's that's been a nice uh, change as well um and uh and and so i i guess i've rubbed off on them a little bit uh to change a little bit of their traditions but uh you know hey that's part of being family right so uh you know speaking of traditions and and you know things rubbing off on other things um this this idea of unstructured play used to be something that uh, was a big part of 
uh, childhood experience, you know, running around in the neighborhood, unsupervised play. Um, uh, it was a big part of my childhood. I would play for hours upon hours upon hours um, out in the yard, in the streets, in the woods, um, just wherever we we would just go and play and play and play. And it, it wasn't one thing. It was all kinds of things. You know, uh, I, I'm, I would shoot hoops in my driveway. I would play one-on-one, you know, American football, kick soccer ball, play baseball. It, it just, you know, we would be, you know, playing war. We would have all kinds of whatever, you know, and you, we just played. And that was the point. We just played. We just got out and played. And um, as a country, we've, we've lost a lot of that. And I hear Americans talk about this, uh, you know, American parents talk about, you know, well, the world has changed and, and the world has changed us. And, you know, it has, but I'm, I'm wondering why. And the reason why I ask that is because when I travel to Europe, there's a different mentality there with kids. You go to, Denmark or the Netherlands or France, Spain. And there's a much greater sense of independence, freedom for kids. They'll run out and play and they'll enjoy themselves. It's, it's, it's not helicopter mom or helicopter dad or overly cautious about free play i don't know what we've done as a country to get to that level i don't know if it's it's 24 7 cable news and we think that everything in the world is just awful scary dark i don't know what it is but um i really wish we could find a way as americans to uh get back to a place where we allow our kids to have fun, get out in the driveway, kick a ball on a wall, meet up with their friends, play in the streets, in the yard, in a park. Kids need that time and they need that opportunity. Going into this holiday season, kids will be home from school and depending on what part of the country you're in and what the weather's like at the moment, your kids may have plenty of time to get outside, juggle a ball, kick a ball on a wall, what have you. I would encourage you to encourage them to spend some time, have some fun, enjoy a little fresh air and play with their friends and fall in love with the ball. I've seen it play out with my kids. I've seen the the ability for them to control a ball, manipulate a ball, really grow and develop as they've spent time in the driveway beating the ball against the wall or in the house, um, dribbling and playing and juggling and all of that. It is It is definitely contributed to their ability to play on the field. And... As a society, I think 
parents, we owe it to our kids to give them some space, give them some, give it, give them some freedom. And as James mentioned with, with his wall campaign idea, give them a little bit of a resource, you know, less than 50 bucks and you can have a little wall in your driveway or your front yard and, or your backyard, your basement. And it could do wonders for your kids. When I look at where we are in the landscape of American soccer, I think more free play is necessary. I got a notice yesterday from my local club that through the holiday season, they're going to continue to offer a couple things for free during the winter holiday season a technical session once a week and some uh, street soccer. And then on another day, some, some pickup street soccer where basically they're just kind of there and kids can meet up and play. I don't know how many kids will take them up on their offer. I hope many do, but we need more of that. We need more of that from clubs investing into your communities, building value and relationships in your communities. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We need our clubs to be in for and with our communities. And it's a, that's a simple way that you can do something a little bit different rather than charge for training sessions or pick up soccer or we're offering this and you can drop your kids and pay a fee. Donate some time. Build better bonds. Provide opportunities. I get it. You're running an organization and you got to pay bills. But I think we can all find a little time to give our kids some space to play. Let them play the game on their terms, fall in love with the ball. Maybe they use a wall. Maybe it's a pickup street soccer game. Maybe it's playing in a technical session. That's fun and enjoyable. And they learn something along the way, but whatever the case, I think we need to get back to that this holiday season finding opportunities, finding time for our kids to fall in love with the game and get better on their own terms. American soccer has changed a lot over the last couple decades. And in one of the ways it's changed is we've gotten overstructured in what we do. We charge for too many things. We charge too much for many of those things. And we've made it more about how much adults can profit off of families rather than developing great soccer players, providing quality developmental environments. It's easy to get caught up in the bottom line than the amount you have in a bank account. 
It's easy to get caught up in adult things. But when it comes to youth sports, I think we need to get the focus back on the kids. Place the priority there. How can we reach more kids in a better way? Let's figure out the money later. I get it. We all have to have funding to operate. I'm not saying we abandon our ability to be financially viable. I'm just saying, let's get back to making the kids the priority. I think it's gotten so far out of whack that our parents feel so invested financially. Some of them sacrificing vacations just so their kids can play youth sports. And we wonder why they're so wound up on the sidelines because it really matters to them. We've made it that way and it's just unnecessary. I think we need to rethink how we do what we do and make the kids the biggest priority in that rethink. We've seen a a downtick in referees. We've seen an uptick in feisty parents. And I don't think it's the referee's fault. I don't think it's the parent's fault. I think these are all byproducts of a dysfunctional system. The American soccer system, as we've talked about, is very dysfunctional. And oftentimes we focus on the top levels, the professional levels of the game. And we talk about Major League Soccer and we talk about USL and NISA and all of these things. And we, we forget about the effects of the dysfunctional system on the grassroots, the local cities and the local parks and the local rec and the local travel clubs. I think we need to have a giant rethink in this country about how we do what we do so that we can do what we do better going forward. Speaking of uh, closing uh, out the show and and a rethink, uh, the New York Cosmos, um, it it was announced yesterday, have uh, applied to join NISA. Uh, The club that refuses to die continues to battle on. And um, kudos to to Rocco and um, all of the, the, um, the people within the Cosmos organization for, uh, for this move. Um, I look forward to following, um, you know, the league as it continues to grow and teams continue to come in and, and um, as they continue to rethink and reimagine professional soccer, um, another um, venture and effort and campaign to, uh, to try to come up with better ways to improve our dysfunctional system. So at a professional level, that's happening. And I hope that on the grassroots level, we continue to try to find ways to do that um, as well. Thanks for watching the show. Thanks for tuning in. As always, I really do appreciate it. 
Um, you can watch the show on DanielWorkman.com or on Facebook.com forward slash WRKMN. Catch me on Twitter or Instagram at Daniel Workman. I'd like to thank James Brown for joining the show today, talking about the kick walls, and uh, maybe we'll have some news to share on a uh, Habitat for Humanity type campaign uh, soon where we can do this around the country to put kick walls all over the place. Um, I hope uh, I hope something like that gets organized, and, and I would definitely love to uh, to help promote that uh, around the country as well. Thanks for watching. As always, we'll see you again tomorrow.